You are, you are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super excited and honored for today's guest. Steven is the CEO of Goldcore, one of the oldest gold and silver dealers in the market today. He has turned over $1 billion in transactions and manages over $300 million in assets for his clients. He has held financial and trading positions in New York City before joining Goldman Sachs as a sales trader in equity derivatives. And when he returned to Ireland to put his experience into trading, risk, and financial markets from Goldman Sachs to good use... His entrepreneurial drive led him to establish his own financial services firm at Goldcore, where they advise clients on gold and silver purchasing and storage. Stephen is married with three young, lively boys, and when he's not at work, he loves the outdoor life. He resides in rural Dublin mountains and enjoys mountain walking, swimming, and biking with the family. Super excited to welcome Stephen Flood to Making Bank. That's so great to be here, Josh. Thank you for having me on. For sure. Excited to have you on the show. Uh, super interest of mine anyways, because... I got gold and all sorts of things and silvers and bars and <laughs> investments and stuff. So <laughs> I want to see what I'm missing out here, but make sure I'm doing it right, as well as uh, hopefully grab some great content for our listeners to uh, be able to start to do this on their own as well. But kind of give us a little bit of background. Obviously, you were in the financial services industry. You made a big move from um, Ireland to New York City. Kind of give us a little bit about that and then kind of what got you started as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great. I always, I suppose in college, I kind of wanted to get into financial services and trading. And I love the romance of Wall Street and, and banking and trading and, and all the, the crazy risk takers. And, <laughs> and I had, you know, a, I didn't, I didn't really care about risk. So, um, I got my visa, uh, applied and I got that and, uh, got my right to work in the States and made my way over there with a backpack and a thousand dollars in my pocket and, uh, and worked as a painter for the first month, sleeping on a couch of a friend's, uh, in New Jersey. And then, uh, and, uh, he, I was a really bad painter. I was really <laughs> crap. And, that and wasn't your friend, career, right? <laughs> no, no, thank God. And my friend, he, he used to tell me, he said, he flood. Shut up! I'm paying you from the neck down, so stop talking. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I uh, I moved on pretty quick from my painting career, and uh, I got a job in a fantastic institution called Bankers Trust, uh, which is uh, was taken over by Deutsche Bank, but it was one of the original um, Wall Street firms, really innovative. Um, they 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 created derivative contracts like options contracts, option pricing strategies that we take for granted today. And they actually created these things back in the in the seventies, and obviously, yeah, there was some a lot of risk and stuff came from those, but it was showed the innovation of the firm, and it was my grounding. So I worked with some amazing people there, and I and in financial technology, um, you know how to how to manage data, how to manage risk, and I worked on trading desks, and it was just absolutely fantastic education. Uh, and then I moved on to Goldman Sachs, and again, another great great firm. Uh, learned a huge amount there uh, on the trading desk and in the middle office as well, uh, and I was working in equity derivatives for program trading, which is kind of like wholesale trading of, of you know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of stock on a daily basis. And, you know, we were a, a small team, um, great guys and, uh, and girls. And uh, I mean, it was incredible. Like I think in, in any one day, that small desk of maybe 10, 12 people would be 
it could be like seven, eight percent of domestic U.S. volume in trading. Wow. Um, just from one small group. So you're sitting there, you're learning everything from these, these Titans. But, um, after, after a time, uh, you know, I'd gotten married and I was looking to, to make my way back to Ireland, my home, home country. And, uh, and, and, uh, I decided to take a trip around the world and, uh, and, and, you know, all through New Zealand, Australia, Asia, China, Japan, uh, and travel with my, my, my new wife, Paula. And uh, we've made our way back to Ireland and we kind of started afresh there with uh, all this knowledge and excitement, exciting learnings from Wall Street. And uh, we, um, I, I, I start after about a year or so, I, I got into business with my old school friend, Mark, who had set up uh, a gold investment company, one of the first in Ireland. Uh, and he had done so basically, he was a student of history and he realized that uh, gold and silver were kind of like the 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 average man's money uh that that allowed people to take personal sovereignty over their their wealth and control over their wealth and he was worried about the way the markets were going back then and the amount of money that was being created through credit and this is having a destabilizing effect like with you know, uh, you know housing prices were going up 20 percent a year right um, and people were getting drunk on this and, and flipping houses, and he knew this couldn't last. So he got me involved in Goldcore, and we ran it successfully uh, for about, um, I think, about 16, 17 years. And Mark took an exit there in 2020 and left me in control of the company. Mm. And since then, we've grown the company uh, tremendously. Where We have an office in California. We have an office in London. Uh, we have an office in um, in Galway and Dublin as well. And uh, we're growing our team. Uh, we have a development office in Poland as well. So we're, uh, we're, we're, we're really growing and uh, we have a great reputation uh, amongst our clients um, in terms of managing assets and, and getting you know trades done quickly and efficiently at a very, very good price. And we're all about customer service. Like we're, we're absolutely nuts about customer service. Not so the client is always right, but the client is always right until they're unreasonable. Um, <laughs> and so um, thankfully all of our clients are, are very reasonable people uh, and we're very upfront with the information and knowledge. So we, have, we, have, we enjoy a great relationship with our clients and, uh, and they trust us with their probably their most valuable asset next to their children. And in some cases they may value their gold more than their children, but uh, they, uh, they, uh, so that we manage about 300 million in, in assets around the world. And the key is, is that we, we manage it um, on a segregated, allocated basis, which means that it's their, 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 their bars and coins on a shelf uh, separated from everybody else's, and they're ready to be mobilized at a, a moment's notice almost. Uh, we can move them between our 11 vaults around the world, depending on where that risk that the client identifies is. And, uh, and, and our clients are always moving assets in different places. Case in point, Hong Kong. Um, there was an awful lot of unrest there back mm. a few years ago. Um, and we contacted our clients and we say, listen, hey, the insurance contracts that underpins the storage of your metals sure. in this location uh, doesn't take into account uh, public unrest. Uh, it's a force majeure type of risk that they can't insure against. If something goes down and your assets are compromised, you could be in trouble. Now, I don't know any other dealer out there that actually contacted their customers and said this to them, the brutal truth. And uh, our 97% of our clients said, you know what, we'll move. Where do you want to go to? We said, we've got a plane ready to go in two days time to Singapore. All your assets are going to be moved out there. You just tell us which one wants to go and which one does not. But because everything's segregated, it was ready to go out the door. There was no you know, um, uh, disentangling one person's assets from somebody else's. Um, they're already separated out. And, uh, and we moved those clients' assets right away and it was really efficient. And that's why when you store, you got to do it on, you do it do properly. And, uh, and that's why people trust us like they do, you know, so it's been that, that way for quite some time. So I got a bunch of questions. What, um, well, one of the most, from where you just left off at, 
when you're storing in different countries and you're moving to another country, does that affect tax, you know, or uh, I guess your investment or, I mean, or is it just putting it in a different house in a different place and it doesn't really matter? <laughs> yeah, no, it can do. Um, I mean, I, I tell clients there's no perfect hedge. We don't know what the world's going to look like in the next, you know, five, 10, 15 years. It's changed so much in the last 10 sure. years. Can you only imagine what's going to happen in the future? So we say, listen, it's you have to have met precious metals as as a as a hedge in this uncertain world, but you also have to spread it around in different places and different geographies, and uh, and safe jurisdictions typically where they have a good rule of law, where there's stability, they have a respect for asset ownership, good constitutional courts, um, and where the where the where the government are are considered responsible, um, and so those locations are where we have vaults, and those vaults are non-financial institution vaults. So there's no bank anywhere near mm. the place. Uh, there's no liens on those assets at all. They're not compromised by anybody else's contract other than storage fees. But the assets are held and if and, and, and distributed. Some people will take some assets at home, but you don't want to have really valuable or large amounts of metal at home because it could create a, you know, anxiety for your loved ones and, and risk for you in certain ways. So um, we, we, we hold those assets, as I say, segregated, allocated, different jurisdictions. And then the clients will call us up and they'll say, hey, you know what? I'm not happy with London because I don't know what's happening over there. So can I move it to Dublin? And uh, and we'll do that for them. That is a cost. They're going to pay for it to be picked up, packaged and shipped and insured. But that is a small cost to pay for the peace of mind that you get. What's also really cool is, is that we have, I think it's about you know 10,000 customers all over right. the world. And they're all... You know, they're all clued in. They're all really, really clued in. They're nicely health. They have a healthy degree of skepticism about the world. So they're always asking good <laughs> questions. They tend to be very educated. They run their own businesses a lot of the time. They're director types. They travel a lot. They read a lot. They're quite humble. They ask, you know, they don't have every answer. Some of them are quite opinionated too, but they're great fun to deal with. But they're always asking questions and feeding back information into us. And so we we then kind of are a clearinghouse for risk so that we'll hear about things happening before anybody else does and then we we will project that out to our customers as well so we're kind of like a network of people like-minded people who understand what metal is and what gold is at the end of the day and those people are rare i'd say about one and a half percent of the world of, of the of the of the consumer market actually owns anything that looks like gold most of them are very sheep like and they follow the whatever they're told on cnn and different places mm, like that yeah. and uh, and so so these people are quite unique and, and they're a huge resource for the communities no that's that's awesome as you know with gold and silver and metals and stuff from an investment standpoint i mean obviously they you see a lot of people going into real estate and there's uh crypto and nfts and all that i mean what's i mean i guess what are the reasons somebody should invest in gold and silver over you know what some of those other areas it's it's yeah it's really important i i personally my, my some people go all in on gold and silver I'm not of that mind. I don't think I don't think it's actually an investment in the in in the traditional sense. Hmm. It's a form of financial insurance. Uh, it's a commodity that will rise in value because it's rare and sought after, and it's the ultimate form of money. It is exchangeable anywhere in the world, any culture, over time, now into the future. It'll always be exchangeable. You're always going to get a value for it. And it's not connected to the economic system. This is actually what people miss. It's valuable because it doesn't have any liabilities. It's not a house that needs a renter. Mm. It's not a bond that needs a coupon. It's not a stock that needs a dividend right. or a CEO to do a great job. It just sits there and gathers dust, but it's really, really rare. And it's money. 
uh, so it's it's it, it passes the test of money. So it really works when it's a portion of a diversified portfolio. Uh, and different people have different views. Ray Dalio, probably one of the most famous investors. Mm, yeah. Uh, somebody everybody should read up on. He's, uh, he's, he's uh, I, I think, an absolute genius. Uh, very, very successful in the hedge fund industry. He's an investor. He buys stocks and bonds and whatnot, but he also has gold. And, and it's incredible. I think his all-weather fund has about 7% allocation to, to gold. And that's because he knows, and he can, history shows, that when you have spouts of inflation, deflation, and stagflation, which is extreme monetary change, you might say. Gold does typically does does very very well, and it and it softens the sting in a correction that a portfolio of equities and bonds might experience. So have your equities, have your bonds, but also have your gold. It might reduce your 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 returns over time a little bit, but typically not, and it will reduce volatility most of the time, and it'll protect you against inflation, um, and that's the key. And and what you want is a nice long term portfolio over your working career into retirement that's going to be there and do what it's supposed to do and provide for you and your family. And so what uh, you mentioned that he, you know, he has 7% invested into like gold and silver. What is kind of, what do you guys recommend, you know, for somebody that's just getting started or they're like, all right, I have other investments in other areas. How much should I start, you know, allocate to, you know, precious metals? I think a rule of thumb is put 10% of, uh, and this comes from what's an old Wall Street adage, I don't even know where it came from, but they say put 10% of your money into gold and hope it does not work, which I love. So if you put 10% in there and it goes up in price, everything else, the other 90% is probably getting hit. It's probably getting, it's probably falling. So your 10% is going up and it's taking a sting out of that correction. But if it's going down, that's actually a good thing because the other 90% is going up. And you're 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 winning on 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 uh, you have a winning average, so um, it has to stay there in your portfolio, 10% at least. Uh, and if you are really concerned about the way the world is and you're not happy, you know whatever whatever your your cause of concern is, then maybe you want to dial that up a little bit more and maybe go 20%. It, it depends on your own viewpoint. Um, we don't tend to get into specifics. We're not investment advisors. So we don't look at someone and say, okay, you're a 10%, you're a 20%. We leave it to the customer to say that. We, if a customer comes in and says, hey, I want to put everything I own into silver and it's it's all I have uh, and we're going to sell it in six months and buy, our, buy a house, we would kind of say, hey, t- you need to pause. You need to go and find somebody in your network who, who who doesn't necessarily agree with you, who will challenge you on this because you might be taking on a lot of risk. And and, and the great thing is um, we're quite unique in that as a dealer um, because an awful lot of dealers out there will just take your arm off to sell you anything. In, in, at Goldcore, none of our staff are paid a commission to sell metals. Mm. And that's really important. Yeah. Um, if it's not a fit, we don't want to have you as a customer because you know it's going to cause you problems, us problems, and that's that's no good. Uh, one of our proudest, proudest things we've done and achieved is we have a 4.9 out of 5 rating with our customers in te- over 10 years. So, um, you know, and they're all legitimate um, reviews and that's incredible. Like it's one of the highest in the industry. So, um, and we do that because, you know, sometimes we're very client focused and we only make a small margin on every trade. So it's not really in our interest to, to put metal in with anybody if it's not a fit. So I'd say to start with 10%, dial it up from there. And, and by the way, sorry, 75%, I was going to say 75, 75% gold and 25% silver um, within that 10% allocation. So favor gold, it's less volatile. Silver is more volatile, but silver has a lot of upside. 
Uh, and if you can, if you can take the volatility of it moving up and down, you might do really, really well. So if you're younger, you might want to dial up the silver allocation a bit more because you can take more risk. If you're older, dial it down and maybe to have more gold. Mm. Yeah, no, that, I think that's good. So obviously we're recording here in July. It's going to come out <laughs> a little while from now, but question. So obviously I follow a lot of this with the gold and the silver and stuff and gold was obviously down a little bit. I think it was around 16 and a half today. Is now a good time to start to invest more into gold? Because um, I know a few months back it was you know a lot higher for for people. It was up at it was up at two thousand, um, yeah. And it's come down. It's come down a bit. Yeah. You know? um, uh, we're 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 currently in we're in this very strange place um, with the financial markets. There's a the financial markets have been supported by free printed money mm. almost to infinity. And as a result, you're printing money and those that money, those monies are being used to buy assets like stocks and bonds. And the people who own those are pre having their assets appreciate in value. And most people don't own stocks and bonds. They're actually paycheck to paycheck and they rent and they do different things and they haven't seen this wealth effect. But when you print money, the other side of it is the price of normal things start to go up as well and you have a inflation threat. And for years, people have been saying, if you keep printing, you're going to create an inflation monster. And this is exactly what has now come to, to pass. So the central bankers, the masters of the universe, the unelected uh, leaders of our economy, have now in a, are in a situation where inflation is at unbelievable levels, 9 10%. That's official. It's probably a lot higher in reality, 15 20% maybe in different areas. And that has an impoverishing effect on the average person their paycheck is not going up by that amount but their cost of living is that's squeezing their disposable income and so the central bankers are going to say hey we've got to do something about this so to take the steam out of that the the, the heat out of that uh that market economy where, where inflation is a threat um they need to increase interest rates and reduce the volatility of money make money expensive to have uh, expensive to borrow and um, but what that does then it puts all this debt that underpins our economy and makes it a lot more expensive. Um, it's and it's unbelievable. The statistics are coming out in right across the world. All these governments and all these local economies are heavily indebted. Uh, the 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 debt burden now is about 320, 340 percent of global GDP. It was back in the original global financial crisis around 220, 240 percent. So it's exponentially higher. Right. Wow. So the burden is higher. Now, the interest rates are a lot lower, so it doesn't feel as, as, as bad, as burdensome. But now interest rates are going up, and it's the only thing they can do to put to dampen inflation. So they're, they're caught between killing the economy with higher interest rates and higher debt burden, or letting it rip with higher inflation and killing the consumer who can't, won't spend and won't buy that car and won't go on holiday. So they're in a real difficult situation. There is no real good way out. Um, we're going to have a, a lot of pain to come. Now, gold in that in that environment, there's a number of different forces affecting it. When in, when interest rates go up, the thinking is is that money in, on, in a bank account earns interest. So why wouldn't I want to get some interest on my money rather than putting it to, into a vault where gold costs money because it doesn't perform, it doesn't have an interest rate, it doesn't have that useful function in in, a, in an economy. So gold becomes a liability in the eyes of investors. And they perceive it as being kind of having a negative carry or, or cost to it when interest rates are high. And uh, whereas cash in the bank is going to earn you money, cash in the form of gold 
would cost you money because you had to pay for storage and have it sitting there and you're missing out on interest. So when interest rates start to move up, it puts downward pressure on the gold price. And that's what we're seeing in the last few weeks. But when the economy starts to go through, have a heart attack, and you start seeing S&P 500 companies, stock prices cratering because their earnings are are going down and people aren't flying anymore and aren't buying cars. Suddenly people look to gold as a safe haven mm. and they go, well, I'd rather be there than in these stocks. So they, they leave the stocks and that causes even more selling and they go into gold and as a safe haven asset. So we expect, we knew that when interest rates went up, gold would get a little bit cheap. But that makes it a really good uh, buying point, I think. And it's just an opinion. It's not advice. You do what you need to do. But it predicts a higher demand cycle coming as the economy slows down and uh, and people look for safe haven assets. Awesome. And so, no, I think that's that's super important. What, um, obviously, we got a little bit of time left. Uh, You've worked with wealthy clients from whether when you were in New York, all the way to to working with, um, you know, Goldcore and everything now. What are some of the big things that you see wealthy investors doing with their money uh, that other you know people that may or um, may not have that same net worth that are not doing that they should be doing? Well, in terms of investment options, I mean, like I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put that aside for a bit. Obviously, in our we we hear about them when they're coming to going into metals, and a lot of our clients would have a bias towards that. But I do think that there are a few things that um, investors, whether they're young and starting out or they're trying to find their feet, need to kind of take on board. The, the best investment you can make is in your own education. You know, listening to podcasts such as your, your own is, is really important. You have to educate yourself and learn. I, I, my own personal belief is that there's easy money is very rare. Um, it's talked about an awful lot. People talk about getting rich fast and stuff like that, but that's never the case. I don't know anybody really who got rich quick. If I did, they're, they're lucky. They're kind of, they won the lottery. Right. And they and, and I think it can be a dangerous um, fallacy because people who, who get rich quick tend to confuse the luck with their own success and thinking that they had some part to play in it when in fact it was just luck. They bought a stock that went 10x and it was just, you know, luck. So I would think education is really important. Having humility is really important. Um, Listening and learning and diversifying your wealth. And also, um, if you're in business, an entrepreneur, you know, you have to learn how to run a company. You have to learn how to employ people and get really good, talented people working well together with technology, with your with your customers. Uh, you have to have a very customer-focused business in this, this day and age where you have the internet and so many various options for people. And you have, like, you know, uh, so much noise coming at people. You have to have really good signal to go through the noise to get to your customer and you have to communicate what your value add is and you have to make it as easy as possible for them to transact with you. Um, and, and have, and I think that's really important. That's what I tried to do with uh, my company uh, and, and the team here at Goldcore who are just exceptional at what they do. And they humble me every day uh, with the work that they produce. And uh, it's just incredible, you know, um, how effective that is with our customers because we get that positive feedback all the time from our customers. So we know we're doing a good job for them. And I think uh, any entrepreneur has to kind of, you know, listen to those those ideas and, and be humble and work hard and get that specialization and be very customer focused and use technology correctly, mm, yeah. you know, um, and build that system, that capability over time. No, that's great. What, um, obviously, you've been the CEO, Goldcore, you guys done over a billion in uh, transactions. Um, you've run a company for 
multiple years. Years. <laughs> what what are some of the things that you've found that made you guys or made you, you know gotten you most successful over that time frame? One of the things we've done recently is we have a, a very flat management structure. We don't look at our staff as being kind of like, you know, automatons who sit there and they just kind of, you know, do a simple process and that's it. We very much have this flat management structure where we communicate everything to to the staff and and we have um uh, what's what Ray Dalio will call radical transparency. Mm. And I think that's really important. It makes a lot of people who are in senior positions very uncomfortable in normal companies. Like there's a lot of kind of, you know, territory, but we actually um, are very open. We talk about everything. We record our meetings um, we share our, our data and we talk about where we're going to go and, and, and we bring people along the journey and we listen to people uh, and we learn from everybody. I think that's really important. So there's a great team culture here and it's not just kind of, some cheesy line. It actually really is a great team culture. That's really important. I think it's important to have a strong balance sheet. You know, you have to have financial firepower to to execute your plans. So you build your firepower up and you have to be careful about the use of debt. I mean, it, it does have a role to play, but you have to be very careful about what it is and where you're going to deploy it. And you also want to simplify uh, I think focus very much on your key capabilities. We've done that. We used to have a wealth management division where we saw we were providing financial advice to clients and we built portfolios and pension products and everything. Uh, and we found that that wasn't our core competency. Mm. Uh, and it was taking a lot of our management time, our emotional energy. And we kind of had to sit back and go, right, even though we love that, that's it, that product and the people there, we decided to jettison that business and we sold it to some of the employees who, who ran it for us. Um, and I think that was important. We also went through a branding exercise too, a number of years ago, and that was really important. It was very expensive to do, but I think we probably got the investment back about tenfold. Uh, our branding was, is key to who we are and our identity, and it really helps. Uh, and um, we're very much a global company. Uh, and we speak we're kind of a global language of finance, gold, that is, is, that's what we do. And we're very specialized in the storing and safekeeping of it. And that's what people understand us to be. So we have, a, a you know, 18 years of, of expertise in this one area. Uh, we're very difficult to, I suppose, compete against. Um, and we're very, very specialized in what we do. And, uh, and I think customers are always amazed at how much value they get from our, our services, you know. That's, uh, that's great. Guys, I hope you guys are really listening. Know what Steven's talking about today, some different opportunities, some different ways for you to diversify your investment portfolio, or if you're just starting to create one, taking a look at what gold and silver offer, and then figuring out what you can start to you know, put into that. Go back, listen, watch this again, take those notes, and then start taking some action on it, and you know, reach out to them. If you guys have questions, they're super knowledgeable and everything, what they're doing, and uh, real quick, uh, Stephen, uh, how simple is it for somebody to go ahead and get started to be able to start investing in gold and silver with you guys? Over those 18 years, we kind of we kind of figured out what was working and not working for people. So we put it together a guide for our for clients, and it's not some cheesy sales marketing material. Uh, we put it on a website for our U.S. customers, and it's called goldintheusa.com. That's okay. the website you can go to and download it. And it's got it's got some basic ideas. If you follow these rules, you're probably going to have a good outcome. Uh, you got to be careful because there's a lot of dealers out there who have you know, who might might uh, sell you products incorrectly and may not serve your best interest. So 
whether you become a customer at ours at, at our website goldcore.com uh, or not but just do get, download that guide uh, we named it goldenusa.com after one of our favorite musicians Bruce Springsteen you know born in the USA so uh, that's what it's called and people love it got great feedback from it but you can also become a customer and sign up it takes about two to three minutes to actually open an account and uh, you can buy kilo bars on the shelf in Switzerland or set up an IRA account uh, we have IRA accounts for people's pensions as well in the states and, and that's really really popular and then um, where find, tell people, obviously, that we got that link they can go to. Where can they connect with you on social media? So we're on Twitter. And we also have a YouTube channel called Goldcore, Goldcore TV. We had uh, Jim Rickards on the other day, Mark Faber. Um, really good interviews. It's I'm going to tell you right now, it's probably the best bullion industry podcast out there, bar none. People absolutely love the, uh, the, 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 our Goldcore TV channel. It's called the M3 Report. And we just launched it. We're on episode three now. Um, so by the time you're listening to this, it might be episode six. But um, it's full of incredible information. And uh, you, you won't go wrong. And you won't, believe, you won't believe how quickly time goes by when you're watching it. It's just absolutely fantastic. Um, so, yeah, go on there. Educate yourself. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Goldcore. Cool. And then one last question for you, and then we'll wrap up, is something you're like, oh, man, I hope Josh was going to ask me this question, but he didn't, or like, I really got to make sure I share this with everybody before we leave today. I would say take your time, you know, be humble, uh, educate yourself, and uh, subscribe to Josh's uh, channel as well, because it's fantastic. I was watching some of his back episodes, and I was I was gripped by it, too, I must say. It was really, really, you're, you, you, got, you provide a fantastic service for people, too, and it's, it's such an honor to be on your show. So, um, yeah, that, that's cool. about it. I'm Josh Filbert. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.